0: Chris Savino with American Outdoor News. And again, we have James Sellers from Sightmark. James, thanks for coming on. Uh,
1: Chris, great being here. I'm so happy to be here this morning talking to you about things I care very much about.
0: There's always so much to talk about with you. It's <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you saw the uh, latest issue of American Outdoor News, but you're in it.
1: Okay, I I need to catch up on that. When did that publish?
0: Uh, That came out uh, last week.
1: It did. Yep. Okay.
0: Came out last Um, week. uh, All right. After this,
1: I'm going to watch it first thing. So, um, excellent. Can't wait to see it.
0: Now, um, Selmar is such a large company and it encompasses so much, so many different facets, so many different issues. How'd you get started?
1: Well, Some started um, basically in the garage um, or at the house when I was trying to come up with a new way to to market, um, you know, at that time it was goods and services. um, And we wanted to integrate sales and marketing together um, because we felt like so many times people market uh, an idea or a message to the wrong people. um, And the people that are supposed to bring it into the business aren't a part of that conversation. So they're marketing the wrong people with the wrong message, generating nothing. And the people that are responsible for sales aren't even a part of the, the connection. So I really wanted to integrate those two things. Um, but yeah, no, at, at that, that time, you know, I think that that system works really well. I think CellMark had a really good philosophy. We call it Sell marketing today about the core aspects of, of marketing and what we do. By the end of the day, it's really about identifying a need in the marketplace that's underserved, unmet, and coming up with a product, a brand, and a delivery system to, to help those people and get what they want. So at the heart, that's what Cellmark does. We, we look for opportunities in the outdoor space um, by identifying areas that um, people have needs or desires or passions that they want to do more of or do it differently. Um, and we make that investment. We create the products we, and we bring it to life and bring it to the market.
0: So was SiteMark the first
1: yeah, sitemark was our first successful We've had a couple other attempts of different things that um, were successful in some ways more from a, an iteration learning um, step to something great. but sitemark really was a watershed moment because um, we took this concept that we, we were playing around with and you know things that we cared about you know about the outdoors, about shooting things we saw in the marketplace and we were like, let's make a brand that really speaks to shooters, um, whether they're they're competition shooters, or law enforcement, or hunters, or people that just want to defend their families. So, originally, the concept was that we wanted to to look at the modern supporting rifle when that was you know becoming popular. And to time frame in this, so this was being worked on like two thousand six, two thousand seven, okay. um, when we started working on the concept. We didn't have a name for it in two thousand six. Um, it was just an idea that there was a market out there that needed to be served. Um, and, I, you know, it might be interesting to talk a little bit about what we were seeing in 2006 because um, I think people looking back, you know, may have forgotten how different the industry was um, back then. It was so different. At that time, um, trail cameras were still new. They were using film in 2006. Yeah. To kind of put that perspective. Yeah. Um, night vision was all made in Russia, which was left over from... The, the military production, it was ugly. It wasn't very useful. It was very ergonomically backwards. Um, the Air 15 was um, considered a fringe product. Um, the big Optus companies really cared about traditional hunting. Um, the way that they they dressed was, I mean, this is what Mossy Oak and Realtree were just getting started, I think. Um, it was before uh, Under Armour, it was before... Um, uh, 511, um, a lot of things in the market was just getting established, like lasers were beginning to see, be seen um, and weapon mounted lights were be kind of showing up a little bit. Um, at that time, you had defense companies like, um, you know, EOTech and Aimpoint who were doing things in optics that was very advanced. And then you had a lot of cheap Chinese imports that were not working very well and breaking. Yeah, um, yeah and you know what's interesting one of the f- things that kind of started this whole site mark story was a problem and the problem you have you ever sighted in um, I, i'm sure you have have you sighted in a, a, a night vision rifle scope the old kind the green looking tube ones i have
0: never used night
1: vision okay we got to fix that um, <laughs> but prior to site mark i was working on Really growing a from this bottom up a new approach to night vision. So we were designing, developing some really cool night vision devices. We took kind of a sleepy category and we made it sexy and cool, and we made it ergonomic, and it just was really successful. Um, But I have a problem when I go sighting in rifles; is I never have enough time. And if you're going to sight in rifles, you have to have time to do it right, and you can't rush it. If you ever say that you're you're going to go hunting, you're going to go deer hunting. Um, you got to leave town at three o'clock and you're going to stop at the at the range of two o'clock to sight your rifle you're, you're hosed there's no way that's going to work nope so you experience that i'm sure the frustration of sighting a rifle um especially on time constraints so um i i could share some horror stories like you know i i know other people out there you know with the uh you know the MOA or, or quarter click adjustments or, you know, if it was entrance, inches or metric or whatever. Anyway, some people do it really well. They get in there they put the rifle into the, uh, onto a stand or um, on a bench rest and they dial it in, three shots are done. With me, and again, this is probably a confession that should be, I go through boxes, man. I was like, I'd be needing to get on the road to go to some hunt or some shooting event. And I'm literally you know having a mess of it you know a lot of times of the mounting i a lot of times it's like mounting was loose so if you don't get the mounting right it doesn't matter what how great your optics are or what you're doing it's just not going to work but yeah anyway on this particular time um we were um we were sighting in a rifle and um i was i was so far off and again when you we deal with optics development this stuff's developed in in, in laboratories and and um, you have engineers that are inside buildings that are building these optical systems, and they're very precise, a slight difference will change the point impact significantly. So I put these rif- these night vision scopes, first ever produced, first time ever mounted on a rifle. And um, they were so, they needed to be zeroed so radically, the first shot, I'd have to almost shoot it like point blank to find out where the point impact was. So I was like, "There's got to be a better way," and that's always the problem. Is the start of innovation and other innovation is that, um, is the need. And I said, "Okay, why don't we? Why don't we actually have a later version of this?" So I'm going to show this. So this this is our, our from our 10 year anniversary kit, and this is what kind of started SiteMark was like. How do we sight in? How do we sight in rifles better? And we had the problem of all different calibers. And then they had the ones that attached the end. We try to use those universals, but yeah. any slight adjustment, it would be like all over the place. So we wanted to make a in-chamber laser that was powerful enough to, to be able to get you within you know, one or two inches. Um, and there's a lot of challenges we had to overcome with this to get this on the market. But this actually was the first Sightmark product. Um, we usually talk about red dots because that's, that's kind of what we're known for. Um, but sites are super useful tools and, and honestly that the first mark bore site prototype was just such a time saver and it took the frustration of sighting in the night vision scopes the time that we're using yeah um so that was That's really a neat. good idea yeah so that was kind of fun project and, and, and became um you know very successful um and now you see our sites in all over the country and um if you don't have a site, you should get it um the in chamber is definitely a good option um Later, we came out with a patent to fix the problem with the, the ones attached to the end of the bore. Yep. Um, we used a rare earth magnet that f- f- attaches it with a, a centering device and it oh. ended up working. Gen- it was super easy and it was, it was genius. It was a really great patent.
0: That's redneck ingenuity.
1: Yeah, we have some <laughs> great engineers. So, all right, so we got two things for you, Chris. You got to go night hunting with us and you got to sight in your rifle yourself and, and then the old way and then the new way.
0: <laughs> the old way was always an adventure yeah it was <laughs> I, i'm i'm like you i would go through a couple of boxes just uh get on target
1: yeah and then you know, was really sad is that you're you're sighting your gun in and you have the first box blown and you're in the second box and you realize that's the last box you have and then on the way to your deer stand you got to go pick up another box but you got to sight the gun in with what you got
0: well i got a brand new zeiss scope that um uh I've been wanting to mount on one of my guns, but I'm afraid to do it because I know it's going to be an adventure.
1: <laughs> right, we'll have to send you a bore So remind me at the end <laughs> of, to send you what caliber you yeah. um, have. So that that was uh, so that was kind of getting into 2007. Um, you know, when we went launched site, C- we decided to launch Sightmark, C- and um, this is a terrible confession too. In 2007, we knew we were going to debut this new optics company at Chacho. So as you know, SHOT Show is like you have to, you're going to be in the industry. You got to be there. And that that's a chance to unveil the biggest brands, the newest tech. We, um, we I don't think we had, I don't, I think we're getting ready for the SHOT Show. And we called everybody in a conference room. So we have these these ideas, you know, Boresight's, and we had ideas for Red Dots and Riflescopes. And we told everybody, so we need a name for them. <laughs> <laughs> So, I gotta
0: hear some of these.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's funny because we're sitting around the table and we're like, okay, we need we need to come up with a name. We're not leaving this room so we come up with the name. And funny thing is on our alternative list, there's a couple names that now are, are trademarks in the industry that we didn't use. And they're very successful, So, um, which is interesting. But um, we wanted something that was synonymous with precision and accuracy. So we went through all these different iterations and we wrote them on the board. And one by one, we researched them, see if they're being used, if the URL was available. Not and um, I think on the list, Sitemark was like fourth or fifth on the list of names that we liked. And um, it hit, it was available. No one ever, no one's using it. And the URL is available. So we jumped on Sitemark and um, I'm glad we did because it's a great a great brand. Um, when was the first time that you, you came across Sitemark?
0: Uh, it was at Shasha.
1: I uh over the year.
0: Oh god, um 2005 ish somewhere around there. Okay. I had started it's actually a funny story. I had started a uh website. Um, it was a social network for hunters called See Me Hunt, and um I got it all up and running, and I'm trying to get followers and whatnot, and I'm like, all right, now I gotta get advertisers. I had no traffic, I had no analytics, I had no nothing. So I'm calling companies and finally this one guy is like, well, how many followers you got? I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) So he's like, well, if you're really serious about this, you're going to have to go to SHOT Show. He's like, you're going to SHOT Show? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to SHOT Show, of course. I had no idea what SHOT Show was. So so I hang up and I Google it and I'm like, okay, I got to go. And I've been going ever since, since uh, I guess two thousand five ish.
1: Yeah, two thousand five would have been pre-set mark, but you probably saw um, some of the night vision we we're working on at the time. So um, yeah, so, so the funny thing is, two thousand seven, we go to Shot Show and um, <laughs> sounds terrible. So we we just came out with a name. So as you can imagine, we didn't have good branding. We had I don't think the I don't think the logo. I could be wrong, but I don't think I don't think we had a logo in the booth. Um, we had a logo on products and the funny thing about the products at shot Show in 2007 is that everything was just like now you had supply issues and getting things in and out of Vegas was a nightmare. So I think the first day of the show, um, like an hour, maybe like ad opening, the, the our key new products showed up. We didn't even have them. And the, I think when wow. the booths, when the show started, our new products that we want to debut weren't in the booth yet. I think engineers were bringing them and, um, Anyway, we ended up by the end of the second day of the show, we had all our new products on display, you know, with our logo and everything, and we took orders for it. And that was an extremely important show. We had such a good response. You know, there was a we 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 bet the farm, as you will, on the idea that Air 15 was going to be the dominant platform, and that we we felt like optics companies should embrace that. And again, it's so crazy. In 2006 and seven, they were afraid of the Air 15. They didn't like black guns. They thought it was scary.
0: I was just going to ask you what made you look so far ahead because back then the ar was like it was like a no-no it was like you know what do you want to hunt with that for yeah you know?
1: yeah i think there's always this honestly throughout history you send um young men off to a tour and these young men come from the farms and countryside the best I know there's a lot of great New Jersey folks, city folks that have been major contributors to the American um, military success. So I should be careful in that. Um, well, in the earlier not, days- Let's
0: not confuse things. I'm from New York. You're from New, New York. New Jersey uh, is a whole York, other New, country.
1: New <laughs> Jersey, New York, definitely definitely different states. And But you know, there are, um, yeah, there's, you know, I think that a lot of the, I mean, let's face it, a lot of the the most successful fighting people get out and they're out in the countryside, they hunt, they fish, they shoot. Um, Not saying that people from New York City, but you're not from New York City, you're from upstate.
0: No, I'm Long Island.
1: Oh, you're on Long Island? That's right, you're on Long Island, that's right. But we have a lot of hunting here on Long Island. You have hunting on Long Island, you're not in the city, you're you're, you're further east than that. Um, But anyway, so I think what happens is that when young men go to war and they see these tools that the scientists developed, you know, to, to protect ourselves and engage in, in defending our freedoms and protecting people around the world, um, when they come home, they're not happy with whatever the previous thing that they were using was, you know, that bolt action is just not going to cut anymore. So, yep. you know, after the, um, the engagements in, in the Middle East, Afghanistan, Iraq, um, our soldiers came back and they've been using, you know, even Vietnam, they're using the M-16. So, For a long time they've been using these these products and we had the assault weapons ban in 86 Mm -hmm. um, that kind of took them off the market so when that expired i think two things happened you had all these soldiers coming home from these 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 um overseas actions coupled with a um an opportunity to own them privately and um it just seemed obvious to me i i had the opportunity i always as a kid i used to read all the magazines and i'd see all the, the small arms and i was so it just the engineering and the, and the ingenuity that went into the two firearms was extraordinary and fascinating. Um, so I just felt like time marches on. New technologies that, you know, once were uh, only used by militaries ended up becoming what's used by everybody. So to me, it was inevitable. It was just a matter of when. And um, man, the first time I shot an AR-15, I was hooked. That thing is so much fun. It is. It is. It is awesome. And the things you can do with it, you know, one of the things that struck me, Originally, if I don't know if you remember, but they didn't put the rails all over it originally. In 2006, 2007, some of them had handles on the things like the M16.
0: The M16, yeah.
1: You had like hell mounting stuff in the beginning. And anyway, so once they put quad rails on it and rails across the top, and you're like, man, you can do anything with this. You can put lights on it, lasers, night vision, red dots, rifle scopes, you know, all this cool stuff. So I was like, this is it. This is the platform that is going to keep the, the future generations interested and engaged, not hunting and shooting. So to me, it was obvious. Um, and, you know, if you're protecting your family, I think you deserve to, you know, at least have as good, or if not better, what uh, the colonels are using. So, um, you know, I think it's important that they have that option. Although
0: they, they you know, government don't believe that.
1: <laughs> oh.
0: That's a whole nother, whole nother. That's thing. a
1: whole other topic, but yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> but they, we,
0: has that a, has that played a role in your decision making?
1: You know, it really has. I, I think, I think when you see a major change and shift like that, I think if you can jump on that early and support it early, um, you know, will will lead to to early mover advantage. Um, you know, when we we were looking at you know the next major thing, we wanted to come out with the best red dot. Um, no. No. Red dots again weren't used that much because everyone's using bolt action. So, uh, but again, all these guys come back from. Iraq and Afghanistan, and they're, they went in there, Flusia knocking, you know, kicking in doors and they're using all this, uh, you know, holographic and red dot type, um, sites, um, end up being extremely effective in urban and close quarter com- combat, um, also turns out to be amazing for hog hunting and, and plinking yep. and all that kind of stuff too. So, um, but I didn't think the average American wanted to pay five, six, seven, eight hundred $800 for, for red dot, um. again it's easier when you're using somebody else's money but when you're using your own money you want to get the best that that makes sense um yeah and you get a lot of the things you want to do you can't use your whole budget on one item um because now you have this whole platform that you need to outfit with a lot of good stuff um so we decided let's make the best most accurate red dot possible and there's a few things in the early days that was kind of staying in the way um the optics that they were using is a single um lens um and the problem with the single lens system and the, um, the laser diode, a couple things. One, it can make too big of a, an impact dot, which means that you're if you, it makes it more prone to variance. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other issue could be a little bit blurry. That was a big issue we saw in the beginning. The dots weren't clear and crisp. Um, the battery life wasn't where it needed to be. Um, and then you had an issue where, you know, if you put the rifle in the same position every time, you're good, but if you slightly go forward, back, you know, if you're trying to shoot in motion, um, you know, it's too prone to too much parallax. You're gonna have too much impact changes. And that's where people weren't super satisfied with um, the options that are available. So we came up with a, a more advanced optical system that corrected for different positions of your eye. So even if you're shooting like here and the dots there, you're still hitting the same point as if you were in, in position, no that was a huge advancement. Um, the recoil um, protection, there's some internal mechanisms. We built an all-sight mark going forward to this day that when you make your adjustment, it locks it in place as you make your um, when is an elevation adjustment. Other ones don't. So when they shoot, it slides. So that point of impact is moving as you're, you're using it. Yeah. Um, so we, we fixed that issue. We extended the battery life. We needed a crisp, you know, very bright dot. That was good. And noonday new, new day sun was an important element and we keep evolving and improving the red dot. I really think that, you know, like the Ultra Shot series and M-Spec, um, our, our new minis, um, are, we have the amazing line of uh, pistol um, red dots to this day that can handle all sorts of abuse. High caliber pistols can be dropped and you know, any weather, um, super accurate. I think that's one of the things that I was really great about marks. here. Here's a platform um, that allows you to outfit your whole firearm for any, any type of scenario that you have using the same kind of uh, high-tech that was originally you know, only available to elite few, lasers and lights and red dots and rifle scopes. So you can shoot a mile if you want to, you can more than a mile if you want to. We, we regularly, we have yeah. events where we get um, people to shoot a mile for the first time and it blows their mind. And then, you know, that's really a lot of fun. Um, and people using th- um, th- three gun, we have competition shooters winning matches all around the world. So that's a lot of fun to see the evolution of the brand and where it's come. But you know, we 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 haven't um, we haven't stopped innovating. Um, you know when you look in where do you think where do you think optics are heading? Like if you could crystal ball where do you think in the next five to 10 years, what do you think optics are gonna look like?
0: Well, I mean they've advanced over the past I don't even want to say the past 20 years because really the past 10 years has really accelerated quite a bit. Um, I think you're seeing a lot more digital uh, integrated into uh, regular hunting scopes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think five to 10 years from now, every day scope is going to have digital, intellig- digital technologies and, and intelligence technologies built into them. And that's where, you know, Sightmark's making a, are, are looking forward to be the perfect, the, the best, most accurate shooting solution. Um, we are now looking at that very, not only looking at it, we're launching that. That right now, those technologies are being introduced on a pretty fast pace by Sightmark. We're, I think we're leading the way on, on digitalization of optics, especially in the daytime uh, area. We're known for our night vision, uh, digital night vision products. Um, but I think where, where things are getting interesting is that now you can have a scope, um, that has, yeah, 4k, you know, image, you can record it. You can change all your reticles. Range you can funded. go, sh- yeah. So you can use it for deer hunting, target shooting, um, teach your, 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 children how to use it. You can go show your friends what you've done. Um, you can improve your, your, uh, finger troll and your breathing and techniques. You can really dial in, um, all those aspects. So, it's pretty powerful stuff.
0: you're already seeing rangefinders integrated into uh, binoculars yep you're going to see that integrated into the scopes and it takes away yep. all the technical well, two clicks this way, allow for windage, <laughs> just it, it'll just dial in by itself.
1: It's true. I think that uh, I think having those type of technologies are, are doing a couple of things. One, it does make it more accessible to a wide range of people. they can get proficient more quickly. And the thing is with the time constraints now and the average person, they, they don't have the same amount of time to, to live the, the weeks and months outdoors and, and, and do that. Unfortunately, I wish they could, but now they're able to maintain a certain level of proficiency when they go in the field, which makes them safer, which is really important and, and it helps them make sure that they're engaging you know, safely and that, that they're, they're more aware of what's happening around them. And I think um, that carries more, like if you're hunting, that creates a more humane shot. You're going to have less uh, trouble with recovery. Um, and you're just going to have more satisfied, happy consumers, which will keep bringing them back outdoors. So I think that's really wonderful side effect of kind of the digital revolution that Mark's um, going on, that we're, we're making it more approachable. Um, people will be more successful by being more accurate. Um, you know, they'll, they'll have... Better experiences and if they're hunting, they'll have more recoveries and clean ethical shots, which is what we want. Um, I'll say this though. I think that at the end of the day, one of the things the technology will highlight is that the marksmanship skills, that is ultimately the limiting factor. At the end of the day, you may be aware that you're pulling, but you're gonna have to figure out the techniques and the yeah. discipline and the practice to eliminate those things. So we can bring all the technology in the world at some point and you can identify where it's coming from at some point that the shooter is going to have to, to be the best, they still have to put the practice in. And there's no way, you, unless we put the, the rifles on robots and take the humans out of the equation, which I'm not advocating, but you know, the human factor is always going to be important. So when we design products, it's really designed to make people the best at, at um, you know, but they have to practice and they have to, to learn.
0: Get, you know, getting out in the outdoors and and just getting the feel of a, a firearm, uh, it, it definitely plays a role in being able to hit your target, but some of the technology today, you know, uh, at range day, I was hitting targets at 800 yards um, with some of the technology available. I'm in New York; we don't have opportunities to shoot long range. You know, if I take a 75-yard shot, that's a long shot for me. Uh, oh wow
1: yeah you know,
0: i don't i don't have long-range opportunities i went to africa the guy set me up at uh 400 yards i looked at him like he was crazy you know
1: <laughs> yeah but you know how satisfying is that to get good equipment and you know um and you know i used to before the ops company you know my my father and my great-uncle they were all advocates using iron sights actually when i was a kid my my dad was anti using optics at all. He's like, you can do everything you need to do with the iron sights, which is fine. But that meant that I'm shooting at like 100 yards was kind of like my max with iron sights. I could yeah. hit a target, in a reasonably sized target at 100 yards. Man, when you get behind our you know our glass on our rifle scopes, and it's you, it is amazing. And it's like first I was like, well, 300 is going to be a tough shot, and bam, you know, center shot first one off. I was like, wow. And then you know that at 100 yards you know that the drop of the ballistics is going to change it by you know so many inches or whatever and you dial it in you take the shot and you hit it again it's just it's amazing when you know you're working with good equipment and you know a little bit about ballistics um and how to adjust for elevation it's not that difficult to take that you know good tight grouping that you did 100 yards and hit a mile um mm-hmm. granted if you have like windy conditions and you have you know, some challenges with like heat coming off the ground and things like that, that you're going to have some variability that you just can't control. Um, but it is so impressive just when you get, you get the right technology behind a skilled person that has the patience and training. It's amazing what you can do.
0: Well, I agree with, uh, your dad and your grandfather where you should learn shooting iron sights before you Uh, advance into scopes and digital technology and whatnot, get the basics down with the, with the iron sights, learn, learn the firearm, learn the the basics, how to handle it, the safety and whatnot involved. Uh, and then when you put on a scope, it's like, Oh my God.
1: (laughs) Yes, that is true. That is true. It's like, um, if you get bad habits, you know, taking shortcuts and stuff, usually you hit a brick wall and you can't progress further. I agree. Um, That's how I I can't go back. I can't go back to iron sights. Just can't do it.
0: (laughs) I always keep uh, under over mounts, so in the event that I choose to use the iron sights, I know it's always there.
1: Yeah, that's good. Um, Yeah, so it's interesting. I um, there's a couple things that um, in SightMark that are kind of worth talking about. I think Um, you know we alluded to some of the new products and things are coming with the digitalization, the new technologies being brought into the platform. Um, but we recently, we launched a product a couple of years ago, um, which revolutionized night hunting, um, which was the, the digital Wraith. And um, to this day, it's one of the best performing digital scopes ever. It is the best. Well, It is one of the best digital scopes. Uh, and it's a great option for a lot of folks to still. Um, and it was the best until we came out with a couple of new options. But one of the things that we had, a um, couple requests or things that people are looking for. Um, you know, there's always kind of this. Same thing with your TV. They're always chasing higher resolution, higher depth. Yeah, so absolutely. we have, we've taken the HD and we moved to 4K. Um, and the 4K experience just adds that level of clarity, makes the image that much crisper um, and then recording better. So it, it's really an amazing piece. And again, that di- it started as a night vision device primarily, but now I think that it's an all time, you know, it's full color during the day, great resolution. Um, you can record, you can change reticles, all those good things. And then we had um, the latest kind of iteration, a couple of things happened. Um, you know, people wanted a, um, a more compact, lighter weight option. So we took the same uh, power and all the features and all the functionality and we put it to a, um, well, I don't have to, it's, it's, it went to a very small compact scope. And it's, a, it's an amazing game changer. Um that is just coming out. Um, that's the 4K mini, which I think is uh really revolutionary scope.
0: What's the weight on that?
1: Um the weight on that, I would I would have to look that up, but I can make that happen. So um if I do that, let me sh- 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 sh-. good thing is uh all this uh, all the technology changes, there's a lot of details, but we make it we did miss demystify it. Um So it is only uh, 6.3 inches um, to the eye cup. The eye cup gives you the eye relief. Um, And then... uh...
0: How have the advancements been in the lenses itself?
1: Um, You know, there is some important... Uh, aspects of lens and lens development, I would say that um, it's where it was. The lens analogy itself has been around for a while, What we're seeing is that there is the ability to get better glass um, for more applications without the without the astronomical cost that it used to have. So we've seen definitely able to put higher quality product on the market. Um, you know. One of the things with 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 Sightmark, you know, it's kind of interesting to note. Um, you know, if we have a criticism, it's probably because our value is really strong. People are like, "Wow, we can't possibly be this good." And the truth is that, um, you know, that product should be twice what we're selling it for. Um, but because of modern manufacturing processes and scale, we're able to keep that cost low. Um, and we, and that's that. yeah. So we've <laughs> improved the quality, improved performance. Now we're on online with you know anybody um, in the industry but we're able to offer a better value and we think that that means something to people um and we it hope does. that
0: they uh, some of these optics cost more than the gun itself
1: that's true and now it's not just the you know they used to have the old adage that you should spend as much on your your optic as you do the rifle and that's fine but i think i think now you have so much technology you can bring to your rifle especially an AR type platform that you need to have budget for lasers and, and lights. Um, and then you need to be able to switch between a rifle scope, a red dot, or you want a digital, you know, day-night system. Um, and Sidewalk has all those options. Um, so we can get you outfitted shooting better, longer, more accurately than anybody else. Um, you get a lot more bang for the buck. Um, all right, the weight. Um, the weight is, uh, this is on the monocular version of the mini. So we make one without the mount um so the mount would be the main difference here but it's 21 ounces and some change so, so super lightweight
0: yeah absolutely and that yep. makes a big difference when you shoot
1: it. it does if you're hauling that through the woods and you're packing that's um you want to keep the weight down for sure and the fact that you're not compromising um you know in functionality and in performance which is really really great um but that's good on our um a couple other things too um you know we have moved further down the the line in our daytime rifle scopes traditional rifle scopes and uh we have um the latitude which is our long distance shooting line that's the one that i use to shoot a mile um wow in the pinnacle series people use for long distance shooting as well um but we came out with the new, new scope this uh this year um and it's called the Presidio. So if we're gonna get, uh, it might be better for folks like in in where you are in Long Island and other places where um, you're wanting to really dominate that 100 to 400 yards um, range. It's a perfect scope for that kind of distance shooting, um, getting great, great reviews. People love it, Um, super accurate and just really dependable, um, great all around scope.
0: gonna have to gonna have to take that for a spin
1: absolutely (laughs) um so we're gonna have to get you uh get you set up on so what what caliber are you shooting that you're you're sighting in uh believe
0: it or not i actually built a uh bowden uh 223
1: okay well, I'm gonna make sure you give our, our, our foresight a try. The two-two-three caliber um, We get you the new AccuDot, and then um, I might have you test out one of the patented, um, you know, barrel-mounted, which is a universal, okay. which will work with anything. So, uh, if you don't mind, I'd love to hear what you think of those two, and uh, let me know what you think. And any any ideas of you know where the applications best, and any tips would be great. <laughs>
0: We, have, uh, we do have a, a long range here that is all the way out east. So I'll have to take the drive out and uh, do some 200 yard shooting.
1: All right. That'd be great. And if you, uh, I know you said you had a Zeiss, but uh, you might try the Presidio and maybe even a digital scope. You want to see the future of the technology and, and what it can do for you. That, that might be something we're trying to.
0: Well, I did see some of the technology in one of the other companies, and I got to say that's that's a, another conversation, another uh, another show. But you, you're really off the charts with this. This is really uh, some Buck Rogers stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm um, I'm excited about the futures bringing to the market. Um, every actually, we were I was, I was walking out my office, and we had two engineers were in the hallway, and uh, they were working on some new. I can't even tell you what it is because it's it's brand new stuff. It's all patentable, but they were working on some something in the hallway, and they needed they needed a long distance to go use the thing. And it just reminded me how cool it is to work in an industry with such good people. Um, And then you're you're bringing products that make people's lives better, create those great experiences, and it's just great to work with a group of people that are dedicated the same. I mean, um, we have so much talent, so many talented people here in the United States working to create you know, great brands, great products for, for the market. And then new stuff's always being developed and we're not going anywhere. That's the thing with the company, you know, site Mart is dedicated uh, to fueling that, fueling that passion indefinitely. And um, our company, you know, I want to, one of the things I'll, I'll say a little bit about the, the company, you know, we're based in, in Mansfield, Texas. We're good, good, good folks, good people, and we're dedicated and sticking it out for the consumer for the market and industry um, you know, unlike a lot of other companies we're not owned by an investment company we're not a part of a conglomerate we're not a company that's been funded by the governments or anything like that. We are independents you know bootstrap guys that you know work hard we we try to do the best we can and we're not going to quit you know that's what we're about
0: well this is more than a business for you i you, you can uh, anybody that speaks to you about you know what you do is more of a passion it's more of uh, part of your lifestyle than anything else.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think you do the same way. I mean, we, we share so much of that and we get up in the morning wanting to preserve our way of life and, and things that matter to us. And, you know, we talk about what's the future look like. And I can tell you the future is to keep these guys innovating and creating. Um, you know, I, uh, I'd like to see the the company stay independently owned. I'd like to stay employee, uh, family owned indefinitely. I don't, I don't care about um, like so many people are just in it for the money. That's not what drives us. Um, You know, we want to use resources and people and money is important. Absolutely. You can't do anything without it, but we want to put that back into, you know, even more products, even more ideas. And, um, you know, I, we know that the, that we have a, I guess I would say we're blessed that we get to do what we do every day. Um, You know, we're part of these part of so many people's journeys and experiences. And, um, that means the world to me. So to think of it, I know at some point I have to hang up the hat and somebody else will take over, but, um, you know, I love what we do. And I think it gives me great satisfaction to hear, um, people come up to us and, and tell us how much they like, say, Mark, like the brand. Um, you know, sometimes I go through, through the airport and at TSA, I'll have a TSA agent stop me and say, you know, they see a ball cap or whatever. And they're like, you you know Sightmark and I was like yeah I, I actually know Sightmark. I said have you used the new Wraith or new Ultra Shot or something? And I'm like yeah I, I may have seen that. It's, it's, what do you think? And he said well I'm saving up for it. I have the old version. I can't wait to get the newest thing and it's my favorite brand and you know I you know can't wait you know to use it and I think it's so awesome and when they find out that we were with the company it's it's interesting. I mean. Um, it's really cool to have people come out and shake your hand and say, thank you for putting out a quality product that, that we like to use. Um, honestly, you can't beat that. What can you do in life that's better than that?
0: It's, you gotta love what you do. And now with what you're doing, uh, falling into the next generation who they're so technology savvy, this it really, um, you know, falls right into, you know, the, the progression. You know, yeah. kids are constantly on their phone or on their computer or doing something digitally. Uh, why not stick a digital scope in their hand and let them get, stay in the outdoors like we would love to do?
1: It's true. You know, I, I, I wonder how that new generation, we got to get them back outdoors. I think that the technology can help. Um, but, uh, you know, the other thing I think we need to do better at and um, is reaching out to kids that don't have you know, the opportunity got to worse. Go I don't know. Do you guys have any programs in, in New York um, to help get young people out hunting and shooting?
0: Uh, we have some mentoring programs. Uh, we have, you know, of course, the Boy Scouts and whatnot. Um, there's not, like, Outdoor Foundation, Outdoor Tomorrow Foundation gets, you know, the kids outdoors. We really don't have that. over Yeah. There. Um, it, it's really generational. Uh, yeah. You know, father, son, father, daughter, taking them in the outdoors and uh, getting them outside.
1: That's why I think again the families are so important. We need our families there to to pass on our traditions. You know, I grew up in Michigan, um, which uh, um, is, is a wonderful state, and I couldn't I wouldn't trade for anything. Um, having access to the, the outdoors and the Great Lakes was amazing. But you know, when deer season came around, it was an event. I mean, school shut down. Um, you know, you'd be up up north, and you'd see truck or car. At that time, a lot of cars still, but they would have the you know the deer on the on the hood.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> that much anymore. But you'd have literally a line of traffic going up north. People going to the upper, or just you know getting out of the cities to go to go hunting. Um, it was a way of life. Um, everybody was, not, you know, everybody I knew anyway, you know, was. Um, was looking forward to being outdoors in the season. Um, you know, I used to, I used to lie awake at, at night, you know, dreaming about being on hunts and, um, you know, getting outdoors and doing things and planning fishing trips and planning hikes and all this kind of stuff. Um, yep. I hope kids today get some of that. I really hope we can bring more of them out.
0: See, I didn't have that. My, my father was not an outdoorsman um, and nobody knew hunting uh, except for my uncles. So my uncle used to take me camping. He took me on my first hunt. He put a gun in my hand for the first time. So it was my uncle that actually got me outdoors. And um, that and Teddy Roosevelt. We used to go to Sagamore Hill on school trips and see all this taxidermy. I'd be like, wow, I want to do that.
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) So You know, I don't know if you can see this, but um, that right there is my Teddy Roosevelt quote. So, um... You know, I, I think that uh, Teddy Roosevelt spoke to me as, as a young man as well, just to, to, you know, you you can't live a full life, I don't think, without being outdoors.
0: No, it's it's definitely uh makes you a fuller person. I I it can make gives you a, a more well-rounded appreciation for what's out there.
1: you said your father wasn't much of a hunter. Did how did how did how did that conversation go when your uncle told your dad that he wanted to take you hunting, shooting?
0: uh he wasn't objectable my, my father was a cop so he hmm. you know he uh you know he was used to firearms uh he just never introduced me to them and okay he didn't know he did you know it, <laughs> i used to uh you know he did uh, there's a story there him. what's that story <laughs> i want
1: to hear the story
0: i used to i i tell him now he gets mad at me my father's 89 so you know, oh, no. you know when I was younger I used to take your uh 38 out of the drawer and unload it and and you know puts around with it and he like chases me around the house he's pissed at me
1: <laughs> oh my gosh to this day you get him out riled up but how did you how did you know how to handle it safely how did you do that
0: uh just from I, I don't know it just came naturally I guess I you know I knew to unload it 38 didn't have a safety on it uh, it was, you know, it was a uh, double action.
1: Okay. That's good. I, I kind of think that with when, when my boys, um, you know, as soon as they're old enough, um, I wanted them to know the proper operation and safe use of the firearms because you never know where they go and they come across, a, you know, um, you know, firearm and they need to know how to handle it safely. I, I've come across, uh, we were we moved to Texas in the 80s and, um, you know, we were um, we we're living in North North Texas and there was some horse stables and um, that was not being used. We, we used to go just explore and go hiking and came across, um you know, it was a pistol in a drawer and we were probably 16 or 15 or something. We left it there. But, you know, I wonder, you know, like if, if some kid that grew up in a household that um, didn't, Know how to handle firearms and stuff. All they see is those video games and movies. Yeah, um, that's a formula for disaster. So you know, we got to teach the kids safety and expect expect this uh, unsecured firearm as much as we try not to do that. Now, as a police officer, you have to have that. That's his tool of his trade.
0: Well, I used to watch him. You know, clean it and unload it, and you know, he would teach me. You know, uh, safely how to okay. whatever. So I, I knew enough.
1: That's good. You but, know, I think that, that that's awesome. So. Your, your uncle, what was your first exposure? What do you do to get you comfortable? Uh,
0: well, we went out. He used to take us camping all the time. And, okay. uh, you know, we would he would have his uh, 30-30. And, uh, you know, we'd plink around with it and do some target shooting. And then as I got older, you know, he was taking my cousin hunting. And I'm like, wait a minute. I want to go. So then I got my license. And, you know, we would all go. And, I got to say, God bless my uncle. He was the worst hunter out there. I don't think I've ever seen him shoot a deer. But, um, you know, the 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 whole uh, package of hunting, uh, being out with your friends and family, enjoying camp after coming in from being in the field. And, you know, he made the whole experience enjoyable.
1: That's great. To,
0: still to this day, that that's a big part of it, being in hunting camp
1: i think that's good i i think i went to visit my grandfather um actually it was in california he lived in california at the time um, san Ynez, which is where at the time reagan had his ranch but um it's actually funny i was shooting guns near where reagan's ranch was but anyway um huh. we uh we went down by there's a little stream went down by the stream and um my grandfather took his 22 and handed it to me and he went through the, you know, the ins and outs of it how to how to you know, hold it properly and how to pull the trigger and the safety and how to load, unload and everything. And, um, I, I don't know the exact age of that, but I, I was probably, I think like six, maybe six or seven. Um, the first time that I, I started shooting. Um, I think with a couple of things that he did, it was really nice. One, he made it a moment, you know, with where he connected with him. My dad was there as well. And, um, he told me about the importance that he said that every, everybody in Everybody has to have a fundamental respect for the firearm. And in order to handle a fire, everyone should handle the firearm safely after they understand its operation. Um, so he broke it down and then he made it like I don't know how to explain it, but it's almost like by giving me the firearm, he was bringing me into our culture mm-hmm. and said that you are now on the path to becoming a man and I trust you with this tool. Um, that improperly improperly used could be dangerous, but I trust you. And this tool could be used for, you know, defense or put food on the table or just for fun, if, you know, used correctly. And it just was a very profound moment. And then the satisfaction of, I can't remember if it hit the first or second, doesn't really matter, but once I realized that I could do it, as a young man, that was such a confidence builder. It really was a game changer.
0: So yeah. Literally a rite of passage.
1: And I, you know, at that moment I was hooked. Um, I was inseparable. I, um, my dad ended up giving me, um, access to his 22, which came from his uncle, by the way, which I am pretty sure taught my dad how to shoot my great uncle. Wow. Um, and, uh, I used to keep that 22 and in, in, we had a loft in a cabin up North in Michigan. I used to keep that 22 by my bed and, um, I would, if it wasn't every day, it felt like every day. Um, I would grab that rifle and I'd go down to my dad and said, "Dad, I want to go shoot." We go to I go to the junkyard, shoot cans and bottles, and if I was lucky enough to see a rat, I'd shoot that too. And uh, he would give me a box of 22s and give me the bolt. And then I would put the, the, um, put the bolt in, put the you know, bullets in my pocket, and I would go out, walk in the woods, and shooting bottles and cans. So.
0: That's when bullets, were, when bullets were affordable.
1: Yeah. I, re- I remember uh, having a um, DuPont box of 22s, and it said 25 cents on the side of uh, the box, which I think it's been a long time since a box of 22s cost 25 cents.
0: You know, I still have my grandfather's Sears and Roebuck shotgun. Wow. Sears used to have their own line of firearms.
1: That is great.
0: <laughs> How's it shoot? I haven't shot it. I'm afraid to shoot it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thing might blow up in my hands. Yeah, but be it's, careful. It's old. It's you know, not very, you know, well taken care of. But it's uh it's yeah. something to hang on the wall.
1: That's pretty neat. You know, it's interesting. Again, time to changed. You know, firearms were available at Sears Robux catalog. Um, yeah. the the every high school, I taught some folks that uh now up in their age, but they said that when they were kids, every school had a shooting team.
0: Yeah, they did.
1: Yeah. And I think it's <laughs> a part between today. You know, back in the time when every school down, people go hunting, and then they had shooting, um, sports shooting clubs at every school, yep. no craziness. There's no, I, I'm not aware of any of the stuff that we have today. And it's funny, it's like the further we get away from our pathos, our lifestyle, our, our beliefs, And we get the kids stuck on iPads and phones and social media and terrible video games and stuff like that. The more violent we're getting. And they want to go further that direction rather than take us back to where we're supposed Uh, to be.
0: That's that's a whole different conversation. But that's a social and cultural decline. Uh, And that's that's the direction we're going. And we just need to turn it around. We do. On that note, we are definitely running out of time. And yes. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, we're going to have to do this again because we got a lot more to discuss.
1: Thank you, Chris. It was a pleasure. And uh, I think on the last note, that's why we do what we do. We want to instill those values and continue our our traditions and uh, get stronger as a people. you got to do it by getting outdoors. And I'm glad to be a part of that for a lot of folks. So thank you for the opportunity to share the story.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you again. And I'll speak to you real soon.
1: All right. Sounds great. Thank you we love our children we protect them we guide them we prepare them for life in the
0: world with all that we do from deep in our hearts we cannot control all things life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children
1: each year while we cannot change the circumstance we can make dreams come true dreams to provide hope to provide spiritual healing and strength to provide moments of happiness and relief in the hardest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true, to provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference.